0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Please join us at 9 and 11 a.m. at the Somerville campus and 11 a.m. at the North Charleston and Remount campuses. Thank you. We hope you are blessed through listening. But I know that there may be some of you out there in life who have maybe said or just thought, you know what, I just need a sign. If God will just send me a sign, I know that I will follow Him. Now, how many in your walk with the Lord has been guilty of just, Lord, just send me a sign of it. Write it on the wall, in the sky, in my car. It does, just write it in my bathroom somewhere. How many has been guilty of that? Okay, good, because I'm familiar that we can talk this morning, right? We, we can communicate with each other. I want you to turn this morning to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And as you do that, would you stand this morning? And we're going to read God's word. If you're watching by way of television today, I want to just welcome you to Faith Assembly. And also, if you're watching by way of Remount Road Campus, thank you for being here today. It is a pleasure to bring God's word to you. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. And it says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Lord, we thank you today that you are an awesome God. That you still speak to us through your word. And that you speak to us in prayer. And I pray today that wherever we're at, in this Campus, the main campus, Remount Road, that you would speak to our lives today. Help us to find direction of life if we are lost and empty. And I know, Lord, that today I am anticipating and I am expecting great things as you do your work in your people today. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I believe this this morning, that every generation is fixated on finding God's will for their life. Every generation that we see has been kind of labeled with a unique characteristic in life. And what do I mean by that? Well, I could go back to the, the builder generation, and we call that the greatest generation. They were the kind of people who picked themselves up by the bootstraps, understood delayed gratification, and took a long view approach at life. And they just went for it. There's the boomer generation. They were a little bit more self-absorbed than the greatest generation. The boomer generation tried to achieve more, play more, and have more, all at a younger age. And you may be able to identify with that this morning. But the more recent generations have become more, I would say, maybe indecisive, contradictive. Possibly a generation of tinkers, not builders. Am I communicating with you this morning? They just tinker with things. And when I think of that, I, I, I got to get a definition for you of what, what is a tinker this morning? Maybe you haven't heard that word, but it's this. It's an attempt to repair or improve something in a casual or aimless way, often to no useful effect. It's lacking a plan, a purpose, enthusiasm. You're just tinkering with things. Now, when I say that, how many of you just thought of, for just a moment, the tinker toys from years ago? Anybody? All right. They would come in that little kit. They had some wheels and sticks, and you would take those out, and you would begin to tinker with that, and you would create something out of that. And kids would, would, would play with that. You probably played with that. But have you ever noticed when kids play with toys, it's not necessarily that they stay at the one toy the whole time. They go from toy to toy. They can spend just a few minutes here, a few minutes there. They are kind of tinkering with things, so to speak. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the generation where they had G.I. Joe. I mean, it was just one position, Right. And if you were really lucky, you had a hundred army men that you could play with. And that gave you the possibility of about three positions. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? many's with me this morning. That's all I had. And so you would line up your men and you would fight. You would tinker with these things and you would kind of play with these things. But let me tell you this morning, and listen very closely, you can't tinker with God's will for your life. You can't do it. It's not something that we should casually approach in an aimless way. You see, in the military, there's a phrase used indecision will kill you. You must learn to shoot, move, and communicate. And the indecisive nature of a generation has people frantically, frantically seeking a source of guidance for the Christian. We call it finding God's will for our life. You see, the will of God can be at times very a very confusing statement. We often say it. How many of you ever say, well, all you have to do is just find God's will for your life. Just find God's will. all you have to do. And at that point, so many people are lost. What do you mean find God's will? You don't find God's will at the end of a rainbow. You don't go to the technology department at Target and find it on the shelf and say, there's God's will. How do you find God's will for your life? It's a very important question. And there's a very important process that we have to understand as we find it. It's not a one-time event, but it is an incredible process that we can walk through. Finding God's will. Now, if I had a goal in life, and my goal tomorrow morning was to wake up and head to downtown Charleston, that was my intended goal. And on the way, for some reason, I have no idea, I ran into traffic. You're supposed to laugh at that point right there. And after running into traffic, I realized it was more than traffic. Maybe there was an accident or there was construction in the area. And so what I had to do is I have to find an alternate route. So depending on what generation that you're from, you would do this. You would pull out your map. And it's a, it's a big thing about like this. Atlas is what they call it. You would open it up you begin to turn the page. I don't know if everyone's seen one, but they have them. Or you get on your smartphone, your iPhone or, or whatever you'd have and you would find an alternate route. But listen to this you would still have your destination in mind. Your goal was Charleston. It may take you a little bit to get there, but you're still going to get there at some point in life. Now listen, some of you in this room today, I believe this, is that you know God's will for your life, but you're stuck. You're stuck in the construction zone. There's been an accident ahead and you think, Because you have not reached your destination that you are out of his will. He's taken you out. He's forgotten you. But listen to me. That is not true this morning. There may be an alternate route that he is taking you. But you can still reach your destination. And that is finding God's will for your life this morning. And one thing I must say is this. It is all about relationship with Christ. Relationship with God. That's what he wants. You see, in order to find God's will, I must first understand the three wills of God. If you're really, truly serious about finding God's will, we have a a journey to go on this morning. And the first one is this. God's decreed will. This is understanding who is God. Who is God in my life? You see, finding God's will... When you first hear that, the first thing that you should know is that in finding God's will, those three words, you find God first. You don't find His will, you find God. And that's where we miss it. We want to go to the will and find the good stuff, but we first have to find God. And what does that mean to find God? You see, if we examine the Bible, we see that God's will has two sides to it. It's On the first side of God's will is the will of decree. This refers to what God has ordained. You see, everything that comes to pass is according to God's sovereign decree. And all that he decrees will ultimately come to pass. You see, God's will decree, it can't be thwarted. It can't be fixed. It is immutable. It is immutable and it is fixed. In other words, no one can mess with it. It is what he's going to do. You can't mess with it. So this morning, if I were to introduce you to God, if he was getting ready to come out and speak, and guess what? He's already speaking. But if I could introduce him to you, how would I do that? And I would use some of these verses and and scriptures and saying that I'm going to say to you next, this is how I would do that. But first, I want to take you to what is decreed? You have to understand what is decreed. What is the definition of that? It is an official order issued by a legal authority. And when I hear those words, when I see that, I have to understand this is that we re- we sang this song this morning. God is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? Well, the best definition that I can give you is to be sovereign is to possess supreme power and authority so that one is in complete control and can accomplish whatever he pleases. In other words, God's in complete control. He's going to accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish. If you go to the book of Daniel, chapter 4, we're going to find that the same definition, Nebuchadnezzar had the best definition of God's sovereignty than anybody in the Bible. Listen to his words in in Daniel, chapter 4, verses 34 through 35. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? What an incredible definition of sovereignty and God's going to do whatever he wants to do. We know this, that God is sovereign over all things. Whether it's nature or nations, animals or angels, spirits or Satan, wonderful people or wicked people, death and disease. He is what? He is God over it all. Let me, let me tell you this this morning. He is God and you are not. He is God and I am not. He's going to do what He wants to do. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 33 because I'm going to introduce to you God this morning in another way, as we read scripture today. And there are multitude of scriptures that we could turn to. We could spend our whole morning on this just talking about who God is. But I like this scripture, Psalms 33. And it simply says this: By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commended, commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. That's who God is. He's in control. Here's what I know, that people may be out of control in this world that we are living in. Do you see that? Nations may be out of control in this world that we are living in. Governments may be out of control in this world that we are living in. Gas prices are definitely out of control in this world that we are living in. I don't know about you, but once it gets about $4 a gallon, my hand gets a little shaky. And I fill it up. But I'm also reminded this morning in Psalms 33. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of His heart through all generations. It doesn't matter what's out of control because He's in control. God is in control. Which leads me to my next point. And if God says He is, why do we let Him? God is probably saying, He's probably... Watching us and saying, you know what? Don't watch the news. Read my word. There's more faith in the word and more trust in the word than any news that you will ever read or hear. Why? Because we got to get to his word. Now, as I introduce the Lord to you, God to you today, that's who he is. But how does he look at me? What does he think of me? In Psalms 139, 16, it says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, he knew you two Christmases ago, three Christmases ago. He knew exactly what you were going to do. He knew you yesterday. He he knows your tomorrow. In other words, he knows everything about you. God knows all about my life. He just doesn't plan a few of the big ticket items. He knows the smallest sparrow and the grayest hair in my head. Or maybe if there was some hair in your head. He knew about it. How do I know that? In Matthew chapter 10, 29 through 30, it says this Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Whether it's 20 or 20,000, he knows. He knows. He is God and everything happens according to his purpose. If God's decreed will is one side of the coin, then the other would be, number two, God's desired will in our life. This refers to what God has commanded. What he desires us to do based upon his word. It is God now coming to me. I know who he is in this relationship from God's word. Because his word tells me all about who he is. Now it's God coming to me. And, and he pointing the way and saying. This is what I want of you. This is what I require of you. What I call living a life within his boundaries. Not my boundaries. you get that? Not my boundaries. Not what I set up. But his boundaries. Because what I do, I can make the calls, I can make the shots, but you know what? There's a scripture that describes the one who calls the shot. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to what? Death or destruction. If you want to follow your way, that's what's going to happen. But if you want to follow God's way... What are God's expectations of me? What are some of the boundaries that we set up? And I know we grew up in church and we get sick of hearing. All I do is hear what God doesn't want me to do. But you know what? He sets that because he loves you. He sets boundaries because he loves you. It's the same thing you would do for your kids in the house. You don't go up and leave the stove on high and make it all hot. You set boundaries in your house. Why? Because you love your kids. He loves you this morning. So he sets boundaries. There are some things that he wants me to be saying no to. What are those things? God speaks to Moses and gives Moses what? The Ten Commandments. This is what I want you to say no to, in other words. And out of the ten, there are eight commandments and things that we should say no to. And and I know that we're all familiar with this, but you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, God's got to be the priority in life, you shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You shall not give false testimony. You see, when we do those things, when we participate in those things, what happens? I separate myself from a holy God. And I don't want to be separated from a holy God. Now, let me give you another do not do in First John two fifteen through 17. It says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of the eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man, listen to this, who does the will of God lives forever. Forever. So let me line some things up for you. If we commit adultery, and that comes from what 1 John says, that we should be what? Separating. That there, we should uh, leave the cravings of the sinful nature, the lust of the eyes. We should be separated from that. But in the same sentence, when we participate that in that, and we go to church, guess what? I go back to Sesame Street. One of these things are not like the other. Is that communicating with you clear enough? One of these things don't belong. Which one is it? Or which ones are they? Another word, God requires us to do everything in his word. And if we are, what, committing the adultery, if we have the lust of the eyes, the cravings of the sinful nature, and think just going to church is going to be okay, guess what? It's a great place to be, but you cannot have a lifestyle that there's got to be a place of repentance in your life. And then you follow God's will. It is understanding these boundaries that he has set up in our life. So why does he ask me to do this? I already said it because he loves us dearly and he sets these boundaries for our good and not to harm us. See, if I want to follow God's desired will, there are th- certain things that I should be saying yes to. It's all from his word. And this is the part of God's will that I can find. I should know just by opening his word. Listen to this. The first thing I want to show you is I know exactly what God's will. I always used to tell youth this. I know exactly what God's will is for you right now. And their eyes get this big. You do? I said Yes. You need to go to school. Right? Go to school. Read His Word. That's what you're supposed to do. Did you know you can't do anything else but that? You, you need to go to school. Whether it's homeschool, public school, just go to school. Read God's Word and He'll open your life. And He'll do things great in your life. So the number one thing, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3a. And listen to this. This is God's will. It is God's will that you be sanctified. you're trying to find his will, there it is. Be sanctified. What does sanctified mean? Being separated from what? This world. That you separate yourself from this world, but unto Christ. And you live according to his good book. So you need to live a holy life in Christ. You see, most people are are disappointed when they read that. They usually want something more concrete, like a step-by-step plan on how to find God's will for their life. But this is God's will. Be sanctified. If you marry, he wants you to get married so you can be holy. If you get a job, he wants you to get a job so you can grow in your holiness. Whatever you do, he wants you to be holy in life. Here's another one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. It says this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Listen to the big word here. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's his will for you. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. So the next time that you get a flat on I-26, maybe it should be a little different for you. For me. Instead of jumping out and getting all mad, maybe you should jump out and just do a little dance. Yes! And people will stop for miles and say, what's wrong? And then you can get their help. You see what I'm saying? And you say, I, I got a flat. I can't believe it. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened. I love it. But you know what? We can always give thanks. But guess what? You got a job that you're going to. You got a car that's going to get you there. Hopefully you have a spare in the back. Maybe you should have bought that AAA. Who knows? Give thanks. Rejoice. Maybe just in a little different way to look at it. God's way. Don't spend all your time wondering to your friends about whom to marry, where to live, how many kids you're going to have. Find God. And He'll find all that other stuff for you. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard to accept and just think. But He will. Trust in Him. Another one. Always bear fruit. Colossians chapter 1, 9 and 10. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this, in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. This is about who we are instead about where we are in life. It's, it's, it's describing who we need to be. I love Galatians chapter 5.19 because it talks about the acts of the sinful nature. The acts of the sinful nature are, are obvious. There's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, hatred. I mean, there's a list and lists. And then it says this, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it goes on to say, and this is the fruit of the Spirit, it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we should have in our life. Because living according to God's will is fruit in our life. I love it. Last About a little over a week ago, the ladies' ministry here at Faith Assembly, Rachel led this team down to Remount Road. And when they were there, they had about 10 teams that went out into the community there and told them about a barbecue that we were having on Remount Road. And I, I thought, you know, I wonder how many people we're going to have. And I, I didn't know exactly. I thought... I thought, well, I don't, I don't think really many, many people may show up today. This is going to be a great awareness of what we're doing in the, in the community. And we had several people that cooked meals and, and different things. And, and as these teams went out, can I tell you that people got saved at their houses. Why? Because people were bearing fruit. I thought 300 meals would be enough. It wasn't. We cooked 400 and I think about 4 to 450 meals were fed that day. People were walking in. People were coming in their wheelchair. People had their electric wheelchair they were coming in. And God did this incredible work. I believe on that area. And all we can say is, good job, God. Good job, God. What an incredible thing is we went to Remount Campus. Again, we see the will of God is shorthand. For obedience to God's commands. You see, we need to follow God's desired will. We we know His decreed will, that's who God is. That's what, what He's going to do. His desired will, what He wants us to do. And number three, God's directional will. And this is the one that we're always looking for, His directional will. God, what do you want me to do? Let me ask you this question this morning. But before I ask that, let me ask another. How I many of you ever remember going to elementary school and, and you're in elementary school and, man, this, this guy, this girl that you thought, man, I just want to go out with them. And you, you, were, you were too ashamed and not brave enough to go up and ask them. So you would write this note. And at the end of the note, you would say, would you consider going out with me? And you would draw a pretty little box. Yes. No. And the most important one, Maybe. Maybe. It's like, I'm going I'm to come to you this morning. It's, it's on your bulletin this morning. I'm going to ask you, do you, believe, do you believe God has a plan for your life? In circle yes. You've made a statement now. You've said it. You've written it down. You, you know God is wanting to speak to you and help you through life. John 7 17 and 18 says this, if you chose this, I love this. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. You see, it's your way or God's way. And I choose God's way this morning. You see, this will answers those questions like, what does God want me to do with the rest of my life? What kind of job does he want me to take? Uh, where should I live? Who should I marry? Uh, what should I do now? And you may be 50, 60, 70 years old. And you still may be asking, what does God want me to do? And you know what? That's okay. Because you're still finding God and searching and trying to find out who he is. Now, let me explain it to you this way this morning. You know what? His decreed will. This is who God is. This is his sovereignty. God is in control. You know what? You're not going to change anything about that. You don't even need to pray about that. Because God's going to do what he wants to do. He's already done it. Then there's God's desired will. It's it's him coming to you and saying, you know what? This is what I want you to do based upon my word. You've got to get into the word and you've got to find out what I want you to do and do this. Guess what? You don't have to pray about that either. It's right here. But you do pray about God's directional will for your life. That's when you begin to seek Him and find Him. I remember when I was 16 years of age and I uh, was going to church and had no idea what really God was going to do in my life. I grew up in a pastor's home. And I remember this study that came to us. It was called Experiencing God. And this study, when I was 16 years of age, it was 13 weeks. It was pretty intense, 30 minutes about every five days of just studying, looking into God's word and trying to find out what he wanted from me. And I learned these principles about God, that God is always at work around me. That God pursues a continuing love relationship with me that is what? Real and personable in my life. That God speaks to the Bible, prayer, circumstances and the church to reveal himself, his purposes and his ways. But I must make major adjustments in my life to follow God and what He wants me to do. All these things are coming into my mind. I'm thinking, man, God has a plan for my life. So here's what I knew. The more that I would seek God and find God, the better and the more that I knew His specific directional plan for my life. And you say, you know what? I'm kind of lost. I need a study like that. Sign up in the foyer today. Sign your name and phone number. I'll order a book for you. It's about 15 something bucks And it'd be a great start for your life if you just begin to study 13 weeks and learn those principles in God's word. How do I know that God is speaking to me? What avenue do I use to hear his voice? And real quick, let me just throw out a couple. It's not on your notes, but I'm going to give it to you. God's word. The first place that we look for the will of God is in his word. This is truth. This morning and every day. It is known, it's sure, it's absolute, it is the revealed word of God. And did you know this, that if God never tells you another thing than what he has already written in his word, if you operate according to the Bible, you'll get along great. If you never hear another revelation, hear a heavenly voice, receive a prophecy, a gift of knowledge, the word of God is all you need. But I am thankful for the other, right? I'm thankful that I believe in that. But listen, it is God's word. I don't need to be spoon fed anymore. I've got to dig in for myself. Have you ever been reading a passage of scripture when all of a sudden the verse or phrase is kind of a single word just comes alive. It jumps out at you and you say, that's for me. That's the answer. Everybody been there. Yeah. Did you know in simplicity, God is speaking to you through his word. Right. Don't make it difficult. God is speaking into your life. And it was so loud and clear that God couldn't have spoken any more emphatically if he had yelled it out. This is for you. This is the voice of his word speaking through his tried and proven written word today. And I'm so thankful for his word. The other way is prayer. It's been said that a Christian is no greater than his prayer life. We should continually pray and ask God to bless and energize energize each area of our life, our, our ministry, whatever God has planted us, we should seek him. And many people make the mistake of doing this. We think because He is God, He knows my needs, He will automatically meet my needs. But God wants you to continually come to Him and be specific about all your needs. I could illustrate that this morning by using the example of George Mueller's orphanage. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but God called him to open an orphanage. And one of the reasons that he opened this orphanage is that he was wanting to show God's power. To show how God could provide for an orphanage, and so he began to pray. God send supplies. God send the materials that we need to build this orphanage. And God miraculously began to send the supplies. If he got extra money, the Lord said, "You know what? I just want you to live on the minimal amount of money, and I want to send. I want you to send everything else just to missionaries." And that's what George Mueller did. And the day came when all of their stuff was gathered. They had everything that they needed to open the orphanage. And the morning came when the orphanage was open. And guess what? No orphans. And he and his wife were perplexed. They were puzzled. And they they were kind of depressed and thought, what in the world? We prayed for all these things. And, And his wife or George, one of them said this, you know what? We forgot one thing. We didn't pray for orphans. And so they got down on their knees that night and they said, God, send us orphans. And the next day there was a line of people waiting to drop off kids because they had what? Prayed to God. God, send orphans. We got to be specific about what God, what we need. God, we need your will in our lives. We, We want specifically, God, show me what it is. And so I must do my part, you must do your part in asking God to meet your needs and finding His will. You know, every night, literally every night, one of my favorite times is to go into my kid's bedroom. There's almost 6th, 7th grade, but they can't go to sleep without it. And go in there and pray. And part of my prayer, it's very simple, they're probably so sick and bored of it, But it's a prayer. And it's to God. God, I pray that you would help fulfill your plan and purpose in Callie's life and in Cammie's life. Because I want God's plan and purpose more than anything in their life. And don't hinder anything from that happening in their life to see what God will do. His amazing, specific will. As I close today, if there's one scripture that I can leave with you, and I use this scripture a lot because there's power in this scripture. It's found in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you're lost, you don't know where to go, where do you go? You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.